It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday Show with Adrian Lizer and Jake Hatch. Can't wait. Can't, 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 can't wait. It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Show here on the zone. Where are you out of your head, Jake? Where are you out of your mind? (laughs) Eric back in the studio producing things, making some interesting music choices. Slowing it down for us. I know. Some some EDM the last break. Now we've got This won't happen again. I just saw the title and it looked amusing. You did. You nailed it. It wasn't even. You did. But we are live here at Stockton 12 Honda. Thanks for joining us here on the Zone Sports Network. One hour to go today on the Saturday show. I'm Jay Catch, joined by Adrian Lazar. We are live at Stockton 12 Honda here in the Southtown Auto Mall. Stop on by. We just put out some shirts, Adrian, that um, any who, anybody who's a Nike fanatic like myself knows that dry fit is the best material known to man. I love dry fit. We just put out two player tees with Donovan Mitchell. It's got Mitchell 45 on the back of it. We just put them out. So if you've got an hour left, you can stop by, pick mm-hmm. those up, and take them home with yeah, you. Yeah, come down and check out a car Yeah, and uh, walk out of here with a sweet Utah Jazz dry fit shirt. Yes. And so we'll – yeah, we're going to be here for another hour. Come on by. Say hi. I'd love to see you guys. We're going to talk Arizona football now, Adrian. And a column this week, Greg Hansen, who actually – did you know he's an alumnus of Utah State? I did not know that. He's actually a compatriot of Kurt Cragthorpe's. We put this together a couple years back. He mentioned he went to Utah State, and it came out that him and uh, Cragthorpe uh, – Kurt, of course, a regular here on The Zone, yep. a good friend of the station. They both were classmates together up there in Logan. Very cool. So uh, Greg Hansen wrote a very interesting column earlier this week, and he made the argument that he believes that not a single player on Arizona's roster would start for the University of Utah. And I have a hard time arguing. I'm with you in that regard. Only place I might quibble with it is even kicker, but that even there. <laughs> Jaden Redding's been lights out, yes, all things has. considered. Yeah. So let's get to this interview. He was on the big show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson, had some interesting thoughts on the Wildcats as they get ready to host the Utes tonight. 8 o'clock, right? 8 o'clock kickoff. So let's hear it. Greg Hansen right here on the Zone Sports Network. Joining us, he is a columnist for the Arizona Daily Star. You can read his work online at Tucson.com. In fact, he's got a great piece up right now, headlined, Utah has taken on Coach Kyle Whittingham's hard-nosed, team-first approach, lapping Arizona. He is columnist Greg Hansen with us on the big show. Hi, Greg. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Hey, we are doing terrific. Uh, I tweeted this out earlier, but I, I could not have enjoyed your column more. Talking about Coach Witt, just give us kind of the, the basics of, of what you were talking about and what kind of motivated you to write this. Probably because Arizona, well, Kyle Whittingham kind of mirrors uh, Arizona's most successful coach of the last, you know, in this basically this era. Nick Tomey was a lot like uh, Whittingham, and he played through his defense. He outworked everybody. Um, he played kicking game and field position, and uh, and it worked. And then Arizona got rid of him, and they haven't been good for 20 years. And it's just not funny. But to look look across the South Division and see Utah becoming so successful, doing working with kind of the formula that Dick Comey used, it's uh, I've seen it before. 
So, Greg, is the problem that uh, a lack of judgment when it comes to hiring the right guy, or is the problem that they're giving up on the guys too soon? You know, I don't think they've given up on the guys they fired too soon. Uh, the problem is the judgment. Um, and I, I do understand that the pool of available head coaching candidates for a Pac-12 school is pretty limited. Um, but, I mean, Arizona had hired in the last 20 years, the coach who got fired by Texas, the coach who got fired by Michigan, and now they hired a coach who got fired by Texas A&M. It just kind of puzzled me that they think that that's a formula that works because all those guys didn't work out here. You know, Greg, I, I think you make a, a terrific point, and, and Kyle Whittingham is a good fit because he's, you know, grown up as a coach in this region. I mean, before Utah being at Idaho State, and you, you connect it so well to Ron McBride, who, of course, of course coached under Dick Tomey and then hired Kyle Whittingham as his D-line coach at Utah and promoted him to, to defensive coordinator. And then Urban Meyer saw the value in keeping yeah. Coach Witt on as he, his defensive uh, coordinator. I think you make a terrific point as opposed to, a you know a splash hire somebody with a, a big name like a Stoops you know you find a coach that knows how to win at a unique location the two coaches that have won at Arizona since the league started were Larry Smith who came from Tulane and Dick Tomey who came from Hawaii and they were grinders just like Kyle Whittingham um, they recruited smartly within the realm of what the school could get and they played smart. They didn't try to outscore people. You know, I, don't, I know nothing about football X's and O's, but it just seems like if you're a mid-level power five school like Arizona, you, you're not going to outscore people. And uh, you got to do what Utah's doing. One thing, Greg, that uh, Kyle Whittingham has stressed, and he says it every time if you ask him what is the key to your success, he says recruiting. And yeah. he, has, he has emphasized this, and uh, he has talked the powers that be into allowing him. I think they had the, the highest uh, recruiting budget of any of the public schools. We don't know about the wow. private schools in the Pac-12. And so he has made that sort of his key to getting this program moving in the direction it has. Uh, it seems like Arizona would be able to do that. I, I don't understand. You know, I mean, I've seen worse campuses, I'll tell you that. You know, the real irony of this is there's a local high school here, South Point Catholic, probably the best high school football team in the history of Tucson, going back 100 years. Um, they have four Power Five conference prospects this year. Big, I mean, big-time elite guys that could play anywhere, and they've committed to Texas, Ohio State, UCLA, um, and it's two miles from campus. They didn't get any of those guys. Hmm. Um, and, and, and they spoke out this week. Three of the kids spoke out this week to the athletics and told them that the U of A just put in minimal, minimal effort on them. That, that was just stunning. You get once in, a, once in a generation players like that two miles from your campus, and they weren't even in the finals for any of them. And one of them's dad played at Arizona and was the first team all-packed in lineman. 
You know, on that note, Greg, uh, Ron McBride, it, he does a show every Friday on our station. Uh, you know, right. Call it Football Friday. And, and Ron is, is just amazing and, and a terrific part of our, our community. But he was talking about your column today. And he said when, when he was at Arizona under Dick Tomey that their priority number one uh, was not to lose an in-state kid. He, it, Ron said that today. And so it's so interesting he pointed those examples because that, that's the issue he was talking about. They had, um, when McBride was here, Arizona had two Pac-10 defensive players of the year. Three, I take that back, three. And they're all from Phoenix. All three of those kids, uh, Byron Evans, Dana Wells, and uh, Rob Waldrop. Um, they're all first-team All-Americans, and they're all from Phoenix. And now Arizona can't even touch a Phoenix kid unless he's like a two-star. So what would you suggest, Greg, as far as, <laughs> well, uh, I don't know when the next hire will be made, but what kind of situation can Arizona work in order to get what they need? Are there local coaches who are familiar with the program, who are familiar with the state, who are familiar with the high school coaches in the state? What is there? Is there someone available? Well, it's funny you mention that. They have a uh, their new interim defensive coordinator, Chuck Cecil, who was. Uh, one of the top three names in the history of Arizona football. Um, in 1986, he, he was the best defensive back in the nation. He coached 17 years in the NFL. He um, was a defensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans. Well, he came back and was hired two years ago, but not as a full-time coach, but as an analyst. He's only 55. He's in the prime of his coaching career. So, you know, you guys know what analysts do. They sit in a room and break down film can't recruit, can't really coach the players. Well, they had Chuck Cecil sitting there in his little cubicle breaking down game film when he was the best coach on the entire staff, the most qualified coach on the staff, and they didn't finally go to him until two weeks ago when the season was done. It's just just befuddling that you could make mistakes like that. Greg Hansen is with us, uh, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So talking about the current situation with, with Kevin Sumlin, Greg, and, and with Khalil Tate, uh, Tate's career arc has not gone as a lot of us uh, expected. And just what, why, what has not worked about that marriage, so to speak? I wish, I wish someone would come forth with a good answer about that because I don't know if you guys remember, for about five weeks I'd never seen a, a college quarterback like that. I mean, he rushed for 320 yards one game, 220 the next. Nobody could tackle him. He he completed like 75% of his passes in addition to running for all those yards. And then suddenly he he disappeared. The Khalil Tate we've seen disappeared. He stopped running. Um, He's a terrific athlete. You look at him and think, this guy should be in the NFL someday. He's not even starting now. This is his senior year, fifth-year senior he got beat out by a true freshman, and uh, they got they got a new offensive coordinator when Kevin Sumlin was hired, and, and he's a pass guy. So, Lil Chase basically a guy who drops back in the pocket and throws bombs, and uh, didn't work. Greg, we still get a kick out of playing and replaying some of uh, the sound bites that you gave us from uh, the state of the program at Arizona a few years ago. And it seems as though from your evaluation of them, the talent level is not particularly high. 
How is that going? To, how is that going to go Saturday night against the Utes? I mean, Arizona has no chance. You guys know that. Um, they have basically five new offensive linemen now who, who are playing because of injuries. So, how are those offensive linemen going to do against Utah's defensive line, which is probably the best in the nation? Don't you think? Yeah. So, how are those guys going to do? Um, how's freshman quarterback Grant Gannell going to do? The receivers are okay, and their defense is, uh, you know, it's a mess. Um, it's a mess. It, there's nothing else you can say. Um, you know, they fired they fired a third defensive coach uh, yesterday. Um, I only knew the lately. He, he got in a fist fight on the sidelines of the Oregon game last week with the linebacker coach. And the linebacker coach had just been elevated from – being a graduate assistant to being a full-time coach after they fired the previous linebacker coach. So that's the situation. I mean, I really haven't heard much anything like this. Uh, real quick before we let you go, Greg, uh, just a, another kind of uh, history lesson on our station. Pace Mannion used to host a show right here yeah. on the zone many, many years ago. And his son, Nico, is now a freshman at Arizona. Uh, and, and, of course, uh, he's uh, highly recruited, much ballyhooed. How, what are the early returns on Nico? He was – they've only played one good team. They played Illinois. And he was so good against Illinois – he came here as a McDonald's All-American, a five-star recruit, and all of that stuff. And so we knew he was good. But against Illinois, when he had to be really good that day, he took it to a level I didn't think he had. He, I mean, he's got a chance to be in the NBA like a Steve Nash kind of a player, maybe not that good for a long time. He just has the IQ. And um, I don't think Pace was that good, was he? Uh, not quite. No, Pace, Pace not, played in the NBA a little bit and mm-hmm. was a legend of Utah, certainly, but I, I don't know if he was quite at that level. He, he had a thunder dunk last night driving down the line and driving down the lane that was full with about six players in the lane, and he dunked it, tomahawked it over everybody. And poof, I mean, this kid is really good. Um, he'll be here for one year, unfortunately, but it, it could be a pretty good one year. Well, Greg, hey, thank you so much for jumping on with us. We really appreciate it. And, again, really enjoyed the the column and would cur- encourage all our listeners to go give it a read. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for talking to you guys. We appreciate it. Greg Hansen uh, writes for the uh, Arizona Daily Star. You can read his work at Tucson.com. And, again, his uh, his column about wit was, uh, was top. There you go. Uh, a lot of great stuff there out of Greg. And uh, not a lot of positivity going on in that uh, Arizona Wildcats football team. There, yeah. Jake. Uh, the one thing that's really interesting, I think a lot of people find, is the decline of Khalil Tate. Yes, and it's strange, the fact man. that you know yeah. you say he was injured and all that, but still the way he has digressed uh, from what he was, and maybe I, I, you know, when they played him for the when Utah played him last year, uh, we thought or. Yeah, last year I think it was Utah who played him. It's like, why are they trying to make him just forcing him into the throwing this throwing quarterback and just overthrowing people? He just wasn't the same player. Correct. You can say he was injured, and maybe he was, but it just hasn't gotten any better. And they kind of 
took away what made him great, it seems like, at Arizona. Yeah, well, I Rich, like for a guy who was on the cover of SI as a Heisman favorite to not even yeah. starting his senior year, that's that's quite the drop. He might have had the best career in one month in any college football player. <laughs> You're right. Ever, You're totally right. That October that he had, where he ran for a thousand yards in that one month, was absolutely phenomenal, and. I, I, you're you're right. There there has been no progression in the passing game for himself, for him, since that uh, season took place. So Grant Gannell, the freshman six foot six gunslinger, they've kind of platooned the two guys, and we'll see. I. Khalil Tate, when he's on his best, absolutely can tear an offense apart because mm-hmm. of his ability to run the football. But like you said, I think that the coaching change and the offensive system that Arizona's running has essentially rendered his game-breaking ability almost null and void. Yeah, it's weird. It's very strange. And so, I don't see any of that changing tonight. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that uh, we're going to see a pretty big day out of this Utah offense. Yes. And uh, the defense, of course, continues a bit. I would expect Tyler Huntley to have a really nice game today. Mm-hmm. Zach Moss, he's 45 yards, I think, away from crossing the 1,000-yard threshold. You are correct, yes. And so he'll be another 1,000-yard rusher. Um, and another one in a long line of Utah running backs to be able to do do that. Correct. And uh, I expect a pretty thorough beatdown of Arizona at the hands of Utah. And we talked earlier about what the fine line is between trying to make a statement in the national eye against a team like Arizona. Yeah. Today would be a good day to do it because there aren't a lot of great matchups in college football. Exactly. So maybe you find a way to stand out a- apart from the crowd. But the only problem is you're playing at 8 o'clock Mountain yeah. Time, which is 10 o'clock on the East Coast. And we all know that the East Coast, they there is a legitimate East Coast bias. And when you're playing at 10 o'clock Eastern on a Saturday night, you're losing eyeballs. That Otherwise, Adrian, I'm absolutely with you that making a statement like they could tonight wouldn't go unnoticed but I feel like there are some eyeballs that would miss it and maybe the game. bias is only the fact that it's so late that people are going to bed well that's it that is it there, right. there, there are there are, and well guess what there's also the converse side of my argument there Adrian that there will be people if, let's say the Utes go out and let's say they put up a score let's say 52 to 3 and it was 49 to 3 against UCLA last week but let's say you go out and boat race uh, Arizona 52 to 3 there will be people on the east coast we're talking voters and power players in the college football playoff committee who will w- w- wake up, look at the box score, and say, wow, Utah played really, really well. But you could get to that 52-3 to three very differently. Does that make sense? It's you got to watch these games. And I feel I, like the, there's, there's a lot of people that just kind of go off box scores. I would hope that now we're at the point of the season where there's only, what is it, 13 people that I care that watch this game. Yeah. And they're the ones on that college football committee. Correct. The playoff committee. And so I would hope that everyone on that committee is watching every game of every team that's in the top ten this week. Yes, you would hope. Yes. Before Tuesday. You would hope. Maybe not tonight, but maybe they turn it on on Tuesday the, and they watch The key it. word there is you would hope. I would hope, yes. <laughs> but now, I don't really care about the AP voters that miss out on it. You yeah. know, if they go to bed and they wake up and they see 52-3. to three, It's the college football and, playoff ca- ranking And, and yeah. Utah stays at seventh in the country or whatever because Oregon goes out and wins in a big way. Correct. And uh, we don't. We, there's still a couple other scores to come in today. But really, you really just are hoping that the committee is watching Utah. Yes. And uh, you, you don't care about who else outside of that room. Yeah. And and regardless of what Paul Feinbaum says about people on the committee, <laughs> I, I also believe they are truthful and of upstanding I, repute. I, for the most part, I think these people, yeah, they've done a decent job getting to where they're at to right. be on this committee. Yes. So, yes, I, I just I feel like Utah, 
they should go out and make a statement tonight because Arizona, I'm not sure that they're going to put up much of a fight. You go out and just boat race them early, I think they'll roll over. But like you said, it's just a matter of, okay, are, are the national the national talking heads, that college football playoff committee, are they going to see this for what it is? And you never know. I, and The point is, is that Utah and Oregon need to both win out and mm-hmm. then play each other. Yes. And then maybe that's all the committee's waiting on. You need two 11-1 teams, both ranked in the top 10, squaring off in Santa Clara two weeks from now. And you it needs and that's what you need because the playoff committee, oh, I can guarantee you this, that game will be getting paid attention to because you'll have two teams knocking on the door of the college football playoff playing each other, and you need that to happen. And to me, Jake, this getting into the – uh, playoff conversation. Mm-hmm. This might be the year to me that it needs to be four conference champions based on how this is shaping up. Yeah. I think there's going to be teams that are going to say they could argue that they are good enough to be in. And the argument is, do you want the four best teams or do you want to meet a criteria? And to me this year, I think you got to throw it to conference champions because you're going to have five conference champions in P5 leagues mm-hmm. that are going to have one loss or less. And I think Clemson's in no matter what. If they get to one loss, then they're in trouble. Yes. But I think it comes down to Alabama, for me, has got to be out of the picture now because they're not going to play in their title game. I wish I could say that, but they're not. Uh, to me, though, they're, <laughs> yeah. to me, they got to be out because they're not playing in their title game. And um, it's going to come down to Georgia and LSU. And one of those teams will have – well, LSU is going to – if LSU wins out – you got to get rid of Georgia too, as mm-hmm. well, in yeah. my opinion. Well, and Georgia, would have, Georgia would have two. They would losses have two losses, but yeah. I know Ohio State got in with two losses once. But Georgia's got to be gone. I think Alabama, if they're not playing in their title game, they they're out of this picture because I think there will be five legitimate, one loss or less conference champions. Yeah, and not to say Alabama isn't good enough to win their conference, but because they lost that game and they lost the. They lost the right, essentially, yeah. to play for a conference title. They, they to me, have to be out of that conversation. Yeah. That, I, see, I, and people are going to argue that they're good enough to be in, uh-huh. but I think they, because of that loss to LSU, they are out of that conversation because they won't be in that title game. I See, and I'm with you, Adrian. I just have this gut feeling that the committee will do whatever they can do to get Alabama in there. Alabama can, I just don't feel that way this year. What we? Yeah. Oh, no. See, I'm with you. I, I, I don't think Alabama is college football playoff worthy caliber team this year. They yeah. usually are. This year, I don't feel that they are. But I just have this, maybe call it PTSD, call it what you will. I just feel like the committee will do bend whatever they can do to get Alabama in there if Alabama doesn't lose to Auburn next week. That's yeah. the biggest thing. If you want Alabama dead, gone, and buried, you need the Auburn Tigers to beat them in the Iron Bowl next week. Yeah, and I, I could see Alabama ending up in that fifth spot. The one I will say that I am worried about with like a brand-name conspiracy thing okay. is if everyone gets wins out here and if Oklahoma jumps Utah and gets into the playoff because I don't believe the Big – I think the Big 12 is – out right now yeah because clemson is clearly playing in the worst conference but they're undefeated (laughs) and you can't keep them out defending national defending title defending national champs undefeated Mm -hmm. they're not going anywhere yeah but oklahoma with one loss if they they, baylor twice if they beat once if they beat baylor twice and the committee says well that's ou on that helmet we got to get them into this if we got to get them into the playoff and screw over a pac-12 champion which will probably have a better resume mm-hmm. then i'm like okay this was a stick it to the non-brand names right now that's where i'm worried i personally i believe alabama's out but 
I know what everyone's saying because everyone loves Alabama and they want to get them in. Correct, yeah. I know what you're saying, but this year it feels like they're on the outside looking in and they're going to be at that fifth spot and there's going to be an entire uproar and all of a sudden we're going to be looking at an 18 playoff the next year. <laughs> it's going to be just totally ramped up to the next level when somebody this that. year is going to get left out yeah. if it's not the Pac-12 and if it's any of the other conferences, there's going to be a huge hubaloo. Yeah, hubaloo. Hubaloo. Hulabaloo. Hulabaloo. Yeah, hulabaloo. I'm with you. I, I'll be honest. I still believe the college football playoff committee, after all, this is this is a showcase that's all about making money. Name brands, sadly, will win out, and that's the scary part with an Oklahoma City yeah. there. Yeah. If you want that, if you want them dead and buried too, you need to have Baylor beat them in that Big 12 title game. Utah, sad as it is to say, Utah has to have a lot of things break their way if they want to make it into that playoff. Mm-hmm. And I'm with PK on this. I know PK and DJ have taken plenty of heat on this, Adrian. Going to the Rose Bowl this year does not downgrade Utah's season in the least in my mind. That's just me. Maybe. No. That's just me. But we have seen – I've seen it on David and Patrick's timelines. I've gotten it to a lesser degree. There are a lot of Utah fans that would see that as an abject failure. It's it's weird because that was the goal. Yes. But now, the, when you're a fan, though, if your team is playing at the caliber of being invited, then I, I can see you saying that as a disappointment. Yeah. But I don't know. The Rose Bowl would be the biggest game you ever played it's in. It's the so, granddaddy yeah. of them all. So <laughs> it, it it would be, you know, if I if I'm getting into the fan mindset. Yeah. You know, you're thinking, oh, well, if we're, we're, we're playoff caliber. We're better than that crap Minnesota team. So playing Minnesota in the Rose Bowl, that would be such a letdown. Blah, blah, it could blah, be blah. Penn State. But Come on. if you think about it, like, just because you are traditionally not very good doesn't mean you are bad. And Minnesota would be a solid. And that's just not me coming as a fan. That, yeah. I think that would be a solid matchup for the Utes. I would take the Utes to win that game. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think the Rose Bowl would be a failure. Unless you feel like you got screwed at the end, which is – there's a coin flip with that yeah, happening. that's a legit possibility of something like that playing out. We do have to see how everything shakes out, Adrian. Yeah. Obviously, there's still games to be played, but I, I'm just going to go on the record as saying that if, if it does come out that Utah ends up in the Rose Bowl, that is not a failure of a season. Especially if they win out to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think maybe – you know, maybe you losing to Oregon and ending up in the Rose Bowl, you can feel disappointed. A little bit, yeah. Or would you feel better about that if you lost to Oregon and ended up in the Rose Bowl because Oregon went to the title game? Well, that would change it. Things. I even think I think a disappointment, though, would be a New Year's Six play in Cincinnati. That's, and see, that's the thing. You don't want to go to the Cotton Bowl and play Cincinnati, Memphis, whoever out of the American yeah. gets that New Year's Six bid. You don't want that. That is the letdown. Yeah, that is that a massive let, letdown. Even if it's a New Year's Six, that's a if letdown. If you're in the Rose Bowl playing Penn State or Minnesota – you are going to Pasadena on New Year's Day. That is fun. Yes, that is fun. So uh, it's it's a fun conversation. Jake, Jake's with the uh, everyone else but me crowd who thinks that the brand names are getting in. I think Alabama's out, and if o- Oklahoma jumps to Utah, then there's trouble. Then I'm feeling like someone got screwed there. Uh, yeah. the end, and we'll see what happens. It's a lot of fun, though. Yeah. At least they're in the conversation. Yeah, it, it, it is a, it's a conversation that's going to rage on. We've got yep. two weeks to go here. It's going to rage on, and you're going to have a lot of talking heads getting upset and talking about it for for, for the foreseeable future. All right, coming up on the other side, we will briefly go over what BYU did today and preview the Utah Jazz as they will take on the New Orleans Pelicans tonight. We're here at Stockton 12 Honda, really easy to find. Get off that 106 South exit and uh, head east 
Uh, take a right on Automall Drive. Really easy to find then. You get the big, the big blue Honda building. Yeah. And uh, come in, check out all these new 2019 Hondas. It's also the Happy Honda Days sales event. They've got the signage everywhere. They want to give you clearance pricing on some of these cars. So come in and check it out. You can also uh, check out the selection of certified pre-owned Hondas if you want to get into a certified pre-owned vehicle. They've got a giant selection out there on the lot. So come check it out or check out any car at Stockton12Honda.com. More next here on the Saturday Show. Welcome back to the Saturday Show here on the Zone Sports Network. We are live today at Stockton 12 Honda. Uh, those Donovan Mitchell shirts went real quick, Adrian. We yeah, had, they're we had, gone. We had a listener who was here earlier on, heard us, came back, and yeah. got himself one of those. Yeah. So good for him, man. Yeah, yeah. But thanks again for joining us here on the Zone Sports Network. He's Adrian Leiser. I'm Jay Catch. Thanks again for joining us. Adrian, uh, we teased before the break we were going to recap what happened for BYU football today and also preview what's going on tonight for the other teams locally. So let's start off with the Cougars here, Adrian. And all I have to say is BYU went out and took care of business in the first half and didn't look back. Yep, they did, <laughs> and uh, they should against a team like UMass. We can all joke that they did lose to that team a few years ago, but uh, this is a different team at BYU, and they should go in and just dominate a team like UMass, the worst team in college football. Yeah, the, the UMass is bad. They're, and here's the thing. I, I read this a couple weeks ago, and I think today's game was indication of it. UMass, so at the FBS level that BYU and, Utah, BYU and UMass play at, you can have 85 scholarship players. Currently, UMass, what I read, and this was a couple weeks ago, so it probably could have gotten worse, is they were participating in games with between 40 and 45 healthy scholarship players. So essentially, you're playing against teams with full rosters of 85 scholarships plus whatever walk-ons with half of a roster. Jeez. So UMass is really bad. BYU put up 49 points in the first half and made it look effortless. They set a program record for points in a quarter with 42 in the second quarter alone, and they rolled to a victory 56-24. to I'm not sure there's much else to say other than BYU's on a five-game win streak. They're going for six straight next week in San Diego State, an opportunity for eight wins. Yeah, it sets up a uh, fun game. Uh, next week against San Diego State, Jake. And, you know, when you're BYU and you're competing, I, I believe you're not complete, competing against P5-level teams necessarily on a week-to-week basis, even though you did beat two P5 teams this year. But I think your your ceiling is trying to be the best G5 program out there. And so they, they've had ups and downs in that department. But they've got San Diego State next week, who's playing Hawaii on the road at Honolulu Stadium this week. So I know that's about as close as you can get to Hawaii and being a mainland football team, right? So it's not the longest road trip in the country. For San Diego, I don't know what's well, the flight. I just, I just San wonder Diego. is San Diego further than LA because I know. Oh yeah, that's true. That. But still, it but is. still, it's on the coast. Yeah. So um, they're on the road at Honolulu Stadium, but they're eight and two in the season. Mm-hmm. They're five and two. I think they might go in and beat this Hawaii team, but Hawaii's seven and four. We'll see what so happens. A fun matchup tonight or yeah. next week for Utah or for, for BYU, BYU and uh, San Diego State. Yeah, Hawaii's an interesting team because they have a quarterback, Cole McDonald. They've also played Chevon Cordero as well. They have quarterbacks that could go out and throw for five touchdowns, but also have five interceptions. That's legitimately right. happened this yeah. year in a game. Yeah. Five touchdowns, five interceptions. So we'll remember see. nine touchdowns in a game and a loss, though, for they, Washington State. They did do that. Yeah. Too. So, uh, so yeah, that sh- that should be fun next week. Not really out of the unexpected today with BYU. Yeah. So and then uh, Utah State hosts Boise State. Correct. Tonight. Big Mountain West game. 
Uh, we talked earlier about the fact that you know one team's nine and one on the season, one team's six and four on the season, but this is a huge conference division game tonight, and should be a lot of fun up in Logan. Yeah, it should be, and that's that's the exciting part about it. Is this is this is the one game I feel like this weekend locally, Adrian, that has some intrigue or some question to it. Intrigue's probably the wrong one. A question mark to it because Boise State's a good good team. They're 20th in the country. Uh, they've only lost one game. Obviously, that game in Provo and BYU got them. This is a big opportunity for Utah State to state claim that, guess what, we may be in a quote-unquote rebuilding year, but we are still in the fight for the Mountain West Mountain Division title. Yeah, and there's actually it's really fun. If they can pull off this victory, then all eyes on uh, Air Force next week. Air Force in Wyoming, yes, yeah, squaring off because Air Force obviously would have the same record. Did they win today? Uh, they yes, they won forty-four to twenty-two. Okay, so. uh, they're nine and two on the season, six and one the Mountain West. Nice season for Air Force. Troy Calhoun has done a great job with that program, yep, as he always does. And uh, they even had a uh, they DJ Hammond, their quarterback, mm-hmm. Jake. He threw okay for three hundred twenty-seven yards today. Hold on, what are we talking about? Air Force here? Yes. He's and four touchdowns. Hold on. Nine what? of ten through the air, four touchdowns. What? For the Air Force the Falcons. Qu- quarterback. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay, yeah. Well, that I think that's more indicative of where New Mexico, New Mexico is at. at. Yes. Yeah, but still, that that's crazy. So, we'll see. It's a big opportunity for Utah State tonight. But he you- only rushed for 100 and or he only rushed for 41 yards, Jake. So, oh he threw the ball. <laughs> so- 300, that's 32 yards a catch. That's for, awesome. Uh, their quarterback. That is awesome. The Air Force living up to their name today. Yeah. Uh, Coach Lou actually brought that up a couple yep. of weeks ago. If you're going to call the Air Force, why aren't you yep. throwing the ball? No, I, I get it. But it's a big opportunity for Utah State tonight. There is no doubt. But you've got to go out there and take care of business. The big question, Mark, about Utah State, though, Adrian, is Jordan Love healthy and will mm-hmm. he be available for tonight's game? And if he's not... Henry Columbia, Hank. That should be interesting. Yes. But uh, I, I'm, I'm going to pick Utah State to get the victory tonight. I think uh, Boise State, they don't like coming down to the state of Utah anymore. <laughs> well, they have owned, the in terms of the three in-state schools, for quite a while there. You, Boise State had almost a perfect record against them. Mm-hmm. But I'm with you. If they start getting beat up a little bit more, a little less um, enjoyment coming down I-84 to visit teams in yep. the state of Utah. So uh, don't miss that coverage here on the Zone Sports Network. They will uh, have the call for you with Scott Gerard. Uh, later on tonight, and also on the Zone Sports Network tonight, the Jazz, uh, rare home and home back-to-back Friday, Saturday. Uh, they host the Pelicans tonight. Jake Scott and uh, Coach Jordy uh, Chiesa will be on the pre-half and post with you today. And uh, David Locke and Ron Boone, of course, on the call. The Jazz, they I, they fight off a comeback from the Golden State Warriors last night? It got a little tight. The final 10 minutes of that game, absolutely, you were fighting fast and furious because Golden State, to their credit, battled hard in that game. They're very much the worst team in the NBA as it stands right now, not only just record-wise. They just don't have their full complement of players that Mm. are difference makers. So it is a... it's an interesting situation to be in. I think the Jazz can learn something from this game because I, I read a thing. So uh, I've read not read a thing. I read a piece from Tony Jones on the Athletic uh, about last night's game, and it was the main topic was obviously about the bomb scare last night, the, the evacuation of Vivint Smart Home Arena. But in the story, he talked about the fact that the Jazz this year have yet to learn how to put away bad teams. Does that make sense? Yes. They've allowed these teams to hang around, and they need to find that. Um, 
killer instinct, for lack of a better term, to just say, you know what, this game's over, you guys don't have a chance here. Because this is a Golden State team that got beat by 48 points by the Dallas Mavericks earlier this week. Yep. You should have put them away. It should not have ever been a four-point margin in the end. And I'm hopeful that the Jazz at some point will realize, you know what, we need to put the hammer down on these teams and just say, you know what, this is not your night. We're taking the win. You guys can just wave the white flag and go away. And they they tried almost. They were up by 20, and it seemed right. And then the Warriors, they have guys who are fighting Correct. fighting for time, fighting for yes. contracts, really. Yeah, they are. And they uh, they let it they let it. They, tr- they tried to make a comeback. Alec Burks had a really nice night. So It was good to see Alec yeah. Burks come back and have a good night. You're right. But these are guys from the Warriors who are trying to make an impression on Steve Kerr and his staff yep. that when they're finally back to full health, yep. hey, I can be counted on, Coach. So they're going to they're gonna play hard. Yep. The, the bigger issue is the Jazz just need to learn how, you know what, this game's over. You guys can just get back on your plane and go home. We're we're taking this game. And there was there was an opportunity there to, to have was. like a rest. Yeah. To absolutely. rest some guys down the stretch and they weren't able to do it and then they had to fight for that win, but uh tonight I don't expect much difference from the New Orleans Pelicans. They haven't been very good either. Yeah. And so I I'm thinking they uh I think the Jazz get a win tonight. Although Rudy Gobert is questionable and when he's not in the game and without Ed Davis, you're going to be relying on Tony Bradley and Jeff Green at the five. Correct. That could spell some trouble for the Jazz tonight. It so could. hopefully Rudy can give it a go. Sounds like he has a left ankle issue. Yeah, left, left ankle sprain. He is questionable for tonight's game officially, according to the injury report the Jazz put out earlier today. I look at it, though, and I feel like this is an opportunity um, for the Jazz to, to learn something about themselves. Because... Without Derek Favors, the New Orleans Pelicans actually aren't the biggest team. They don't have a lot of size right. without Zion Williamson and Derek Favors in the lineup. The, the the issue, though, that I see for the Chaz is, okay, yes, they're not the biggest team, but you need rim protection for these guys who can take you, dribble you down and mm-hmm. take you off the, off the dribble, and that's where you need Rudy Gobert to be in a game like this. Can Tony Bradley step up in a big spot if ultimately Rudy Gobert is not able to go? Who knows? Yeah, and that's the problem, too. He's been playing. And then yeah. all of a sudden he he's had a couple of he struggled a couple nights and then Jeff Green started playing that five so he's truly more of an offensive minded big there's no doubt about that with Tony Bradley and like you said Jeff Green is your backup big let's put it this way Jeff Green he's 33 years old how much can you rely on him to expect him to protect the rim and really give that. I, yeah, maybe, but I, I got to give Jeff credit. His athleticism is off the charts. Well, for thirty three years yeah. old, absolutely, and he makes a lot of yes. really great plays. Uh, and he said, you know what? And he said the other night, the first time he was playing that five in the mm-hmm. post game, he said, "Look, I'm I'm going to make opportunity where where I get minutes, and it doesn't yeah. matter to him he's playing the five or anywhere else." So, and that's a great to, attitude to have. But the point is, is that without Rudy, it is a big difference. Yeah, because you don't uh, have, obviously you he don't had have, seven blocks last night. Of exactly. course, it makes a difference. You don't have Ed Davis, who was expected to be the guy when yeah. Rudy was dinged. He yeah. was supposed to step into that role. He's obviously out with that fractured fibula. I believe we're two, are we two weeks into that four week timeline that yeah. they originally gave. Mm-hmm. So. It'll make for an interesting lineup. I can guarantee you this, anybody listening to this, Rudy Gobert, if he's able to go, will be on the court. Yes. They and will have to the doctors will have to say, Rudy, you are going you cannot play for him to say, Okay, I'm not going. Yeah. And uh last night I remember the play. It didn't I didn't really think much of it because mm-hmm. he kinda ran it off and then he played the rest of the night. But you kinda that stuff as the night goes on, and once you stop playing and all of a sudden the you know next day the stuff weird. can start swelling yeah. up and uh so then maybe Maybe Rudy gives it 
ago tonight, maybe not, but he's questionable as of now. Correct. Uh, we'll keep you posted on the Zone Sports Network whether or not he'll be playing or not. Yeah, pregame at 6 right here on the yep. Zone. Pregame at 6. Don't miss it. We'll have it all night for you on 97.5 FM, the Zone. All right, coming up on the other side, we'll wrap things up here from Stockton 12 Honda, and we'll make way for the rest of the coverage here on the Zone Sports Network. A lot of it tonight, Utah, Utah State, and jazz <laughs> basketball. It's going to be a fun night here on the Zone. And that's all coming up here on the Saturday show. I'm Adrian Lizer with Jay Catch here on 1280-97.5 The Zone. Let's go live! We talk jazz, utes, cougars, and aggies, even on the weekend. The weekend! You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Network, Adrian Lizer, Jay Catch, live here at Stockton 12 Honda today. And remember, you can get a $10 Target gift, uh, gift card if you just come in and get your car appraised. Sweet. No purchase necessary. They'll also buy your car today and give you $500 more towards that trade-in. So come see them. You can also get the Civic for $5 a day, the uh, Cord for $6 a day, CRV for $7 a day, and two Hondas for 12 bucks a day. So really easy. Come down and see them. They'll be here. All weekend, so come say hi to them. Jake, we always have a good time down here. Yeah, they take good care of everybody's vehicle. They took good care of mine today, gave me some good information on it. So it's always good to have an opportunity to come down here. And I think the biggest thing is people have actually asked me, like, do you guys, like, enjoy going down to see Stockton? I'm like, yeah, they do a great job. The salespeople here are great. They're always friendly. Always asking us how we're doing, and it's it's just fun to be down here. Yeah, we're on a name basis now with everybody who works that's the best part. They always say, hey. Ask how the Jazz are doing, how everybody's doing. Correct, so, yeah. Um, John Stockton was in the house last night, by the I way. I saw that? that, yeah. Uh, him and uh, Thoreau were chopping it up. I saw some pictures from David Locke. And the crowd went wild. Obviously. It, when John Stockton comes back to Utah, people love it. And John, it, honestly, great ambassador for the for the team. Uh, I know that he spends most of his time up in Spokane with his kids and everything, but mm-hmm. still awesome to see him come back to Utah. Yep, definitely. So, uh, uh Big thanks to everyone down here at Stockton 12 Honda. We'll say goodbye. We'll be back with you in a couple weeks. I don't think we have a show next week, Jake, as Utah State has an early game. So I think uh, you and I will be back. Maybe we'll drop a little podcast for our loyal six listeners. Uh, as they uh, want to come in and uh, say hey to us every week, every yeah, time we're that out would here. Be, so, that would be fun. Uh, so for Jay Catch, for Eric back in the studio, for Johnny down here, um, big thanks to everyone for having us. Mm-hmm. And don't forget all the coverage on The Zone this weekend. If you like what you heard, please uh, subscribe to our podcast for the Saturday show. Absolutely. You can find it anywhere, and also at 1280thezone.com. So that'll do it for us here on the Saturday show, 1280, 97.5 The Zone, and The Zone Sports.